Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. I'm trying to think of others. Football operations building might be another where I'm just like, you know, he's yeah. Depending on the time of year. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of it's yeah. Talk to me in March and April and it's probably going to be founders. Talk to me this time of year. It's the football. I see Shane Beamer more than I see my wife. Well, that's, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. And it's funny that you went on vacation last year and still saw Shane Beamer. I did. At Disney. I, forget about that from time to time but yes i did now, Beamer did walk past me now Bristol. now that i've been to disney and have a gauge of where things are where did you see him at so like, it was actually universal oh yeah, okay we saw him at universal our first day down there i see it was like the main street area yeah we were leaving and he was walking through and okay yeah, we were at universal hey coach it was hey, probably not a good time <laughs> but what's well, the running back situation yeah, looking like you mind if i ask you a couple questions please Oh, Shane! I'm glad, I'm glad I caught you. Uh, do you uh, mind? Hey, hey, Coach! Thanks for doing. <laughs> thanks for doing this. If there was ever a time for him to uh, probably cuss you out, that probably would have been it. Like, yeah, then no, come that's on, fair. Colin. I would, and I would gladly like, give. If I ever saw a coach like with his family on vacation and was like, "Do you mind if I like grab you for five minutes to talk about like recruiting?" Yeah, then. I, de- I probably deserve everything I'm con- that's coming to me. Probably at that so. Point. I was wondering if I could ask you about Tonka's comments at SEC Media Days about loud stadiums. Um, now, Co- nobody's asked Coach about his rebuttal to that, have they? It, that didn't get brought up in his Beamer's? presser the other day, did it? No, because I think it was just starting to make the rounds. Because Kirby's presser was Monday. Yeah, but like I don't think it really started to to make the rounds. Okay. The big the big way until 
Tuesday afternoon because that's when I texted you about it. Yeah, that's right. And so I don't think it was anything. That was the one where I was like, "Oh, it's it's taken on a life of its own now." It was insular, and, like in the in the Georgia community for a while, and now it's like taken off. This whole thing is just so silly to me. Yeah, like the shutdown forecast talked about it yesterday. Like they were poking fun at Kirby about it, but like, sure. They, Which and look, I don't blame Kirby. Again, no. he was just presented this information and reacted to it. Chances Kirby's even seen the video. Zero. Z- I would. Yeah, I agree with that. Like he's not going out of his way. But, oh, I wonder what Tonka Hemingway said about yeah. our fans back at Media two months ago. No. Which and I brought this point up yesterday. It's like this was not the local availability where you guys, Gamecock Central, all the local outlets, get to talk to these players. This was like in the big room where you yeah. have. Got representatives from every single school there. And th- like I said, the guy that asked the question could have been wearing a Texas A&M polo. I'm like 90% sure the guy introduced himself because I went back and listened to it yesterday as like a guy from Como. Yeah, or like, something like a that. A Missouri writer, I think, asked the question. Sure. So it's like, you know, right. and, and off the top of his head, he's like, oh, well, A&M and Tennessee are pretty loud. Again, two places that have 100,000 people there. That are also really loud. Yeah, and it's like... It's hilarious. It was hilarious to me because if you went back and listened to the Tuesday player availability, everyone was like, yeah, it's incredibly loud there. It's an incredibly loud, big atmosphere. DeCarrion Jordan even said they lost games. He felt like they lost the game at times before even getting on the bus to go over there. Yeah. It was like they, they thought that much of Georgia. So what it like, it just makes no sense to me. The, the level of just... I, I posed this question to Wes and Chris. Will the Spike Squad have like anything painted on their oh, body for Tonka 100%. on Saturday? Yeah, 100%. Like, loud enough? Question loud mark? enough or something? Yeah, it just... And there was like this Georgia fan in my that hopped into my mentions because I tweeted a clip of, of Tonka being like, yeah, I would actually like to continue to play Georgia. It's a big, it's a big series for us and yeah. them and they enjoy it. And some guy was like... Can you please tell me where Kirby even said to go trash Tonka? And I wanted to respond, and I didn't. But it's like, he didn't say anything. He didn't say, hey, go attack this kid on social media. But Georgia fans saw the video. And And they ran with it. Yeah, and they ran with it. And then if you're Tonka, like, you probably forgot that comment. Totally. Like, as soon as you said it. Because it was was like, it was like 15 seconds Hey, at media days two months ago. Right. And like, again, I was with Tonka at every single one of his availabilities. Because they stagger it to where if if there's enough people there, I mean, you can make every like most everything of everyone's availabilities. Right. So I was I heard I would say about 90 percent of what Tonka said at media days. At no point, you know how when you're listening to someone talk. And you're like, oh, he shouldn't have said that. And something you're like, oh, you're oh. like, your ears perk up. Right. Like, like when someone says something, like, how about this? When Shane Beamer said the hot dog comment. Yes. I knew, okay, that's like, going to make the, I was like. That's going to get some run. Right, I was like, I know that's going to make the rounds on social media. Yes. But at no point did, in listening to Tonka, did I hear him say anything to where I was like, everyone's going to take offense to that. Like, I can see I could see something, something happening there. So, well, and again, the, you know, if this swirled the 
days after media day that's one thing but right. for it to get to, for it to, it to be brought up out of the blue two months later by again i don't know who this reporter was that asked kirby this question the other day is just it's crazy and look i am i know which kind of fans are running with this it's the same fans that hated stetson bennett despite the fact that he delivered back-to-back national championships because he wasn't a five-star Right. And they're like, well, JT Daniels be back on the field. I'm like, well, Stetson Bennett's playing better than JT Daniels. Yeah, Stetson Bennett was a Heisman finalist. Yeah. Like, they're like, well, JT Daniels is a five star. I don't care if JT Daniels is a five star. Stetson Bennett is the better, the better quarterback. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. And but it, again, it's these fans. Right. The fans that I think I saw some fan, and, and every subset of fan base has these people that were getting mad at, I want to say, Reese Davis, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, or somebody in the offseason for putting. I want to say Michigan. Uh, yeah, Reese Davis had Michigan as like his preseason number one. Right, and they were like media not respecting Georgia. He's like, forgive me for wanting to see if Georgia can like figure it out with a brand new quarterback, a brand new offensive coordinator, replacing some pieces on on either side of the ball. And he goes and, got, and he goes like, they're also number two. Like, yeah. I ranked them second. And then someone responded and said, well. Herb Street picked Tennessee to beat us. This this guy picked Florida to beat us. This guy picked um, who Ohio State to beat us. And if you add all of those up, I could see where Kirby gets his eight and four from. And then it's like, well, well, you're also picking and choosing from different people. And I also think about it from this perspective: those guys work at ESPN, right? ESPN would like to see more parity in college football. They don't want the same team to win the national championship every single year. So if they are trying to promote their product, they're going to say, well, if the same team's going to win every single year, what's going to make people want to tune in for that? Reese Davis says, yeah, I think Michigan's going to win the national championships. Like, ooh, well, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe I should watch Michigan games this year. What's going on here? And also, Michigan very well could win a national title they're this year. They're very, very good. They're very good. Now, you know, they got to get their head coach back. but Well, yeah, they got to resurrect him from the dead. That's right. The, you got to you know. dig him back up. You know, real Lazarus situation there. But, like, you know, it just it baffles me. Like, this is a week that should be, and it's frustrating me because this is a week where it's one of the longest-running rivalries in the SEC right now. I mean, what, 30-plus years they yeah. played, which it boggles my mind that they're not playing next year. It just, we should be talking about football. And, yes, South Carolina is a 24, 26-point underdog do I expect South Carolina to win? No, and we'll get into our picks probably tomorrow. But mm-hmm. like, this is a rivalry. These are like they're some of the best games in the. I mean, the best games that I remember growing up were South Carolina Georgia games. Sure, because they were really, really competitive. They were fun, and these two fan bases don't like each other. And we should be talking about that instead of a comment made in mid July. And that's a good point that you bring up. It is unfortunate. I was uh, I did a radio hit with my buddies in Athens a little bit earlier this morning, and. You know, again, South Carolina's lower on the pecking right. order when it comes to rivalries from a Georgia standpoint. But even they were like, yeah, it's going to be weird next year not having South Carolina on the schedule. And next year, what would be a return trip to Williams-Rice Stadium? Because, um, again, it's been consistent for 30 years. In the same way with Tennessee and Florida, like not having those schools in your schedule next year is going to feel really, really odd. And obviously, it's not like you're going to go 10 years without seeing them. The rotation of the new SC schedule is going to see them, you know, fair or what, two two times every four years, pretty yeah, much. every other year. Um, until they change it with a nine-game schedule, which is 
coming sooner rather than later. But yeah. that's besides the point. So yeah, this is this is kind of an end of the era type deal this upcoming weekend. And you know, I do wish there was a little bit more focus on what's going to be happening on the field. And the silly thing about this is, like next week, nobody's going to care about this. Nobody's no, going to be talking about gonna it. It's going to be just a footnote, and uh, right. we're all going to be moving on to the next game. Right. And do you remember the last time these two teams didn't play? What season that was? Uh, I guess it'd be, what year did South Carolina come into the conference? 92, 93? 90, 92, I think was the first year. So 91. So was 91? 91 was the last time. No one on the roster was born yet. We weren't born yet. We weren't born yet. That's, and for the talk now to be taken up by some, not even throwaway comment. He just brought up Texas A&M and. Well, that's the thing is like, it, it, it's it's like, are we saying that Texas A&M and Tennessee aren't hostile environments? Because they are. Right. And I, I had a great response to the tweet where someone was like, oh, Tonka's saying he wants to play Georgia every year because he thinks they're soft. No, that's not what he said. It, it was a, it was more like the Kirby, like, or how you're going to draw motivation out of it. Sure. Um, but it just doesn't... Well, it, I, I'm bummed because this should be... It, we should be talking more about the game. We should be talking more about the fact that these two teams are not playing each other next year, more so it, than whatever this is. I think everybody took inspiration from the last dance and that time that and Michael that Jordan personally. Uh, just made up somebody disrespecting him at dinner the night before a game. It's like, right. well, he said this to me. Did he really? No. no, I just pretended that he did. But that's all I needed. Right. Well, and I went out there and dropped 60 the next night. Or like Colorado, while I understand some of it's personal, but like, Colorado getting mad that I think Nebraska prayed or huddled at midfield. Yeah, yeah, it's at like their logo. Like every team does that, and kind they of invited thing. Colorado players to join them. By the way, right, it's like, like it's not like they're stomping on the Buffalo at midfield. Right, like, that's like, one thing. Or planting a flag like Baker Mayfield. Or did. I think Devin Bush one year at Michigan like went to the Spartan at the midfield of Spartan Stadium and like dug his cleat into it. It's yeah. not that. Didn't Terrell Owens do that? Uh, I think so. And yeah. uh, was it the. The Ooh. Cowboys logo at midfield, maybe. Yeah, but like at some point, it just go play the game. Yeah, like you're, Georgia, you're better than South Carolina, just from top to bottom. Um, just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, let's focus on some specifics of the game. We'll hear what the coordinators had to say yesterday. Coming up, as you're listening to in the bonus, he is Colin Taylor and Tyler Head here on the game. The bonus with Colin with Taylor, Colin from, Taylor Gamecock from Gamecock Central and Tyler Head, powered by Twin Peaks and Canty Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in, in the bonus. He's Colin Taylor, I'm Tyler Head. Here on the game, did hear from coordinators yesterday, as we do on Wednesday. Didn't hear from Pete Limbo, actually. It's a Pete's in every other weekish okay. kind of person. Which it's unfortunate, because special teams was actually an interesting talking point coming away from the Furman game, because they weren't weren't perfect. and weren't I uber good, yeah. Actually would have loved to have heard what uh, Pete had to say about that, but uh, we'll hear from him next week, and... See, uh, see how special teams factors in this weekend. If if South Carolina is going to beat Georgia, 
I feel like they got to pull something out on special teams this weekend. Yeah, it's it's kind of got to be fluky is not the right word, but you got to be uber aggressive. Sure. You have to be, you have to, you're not going to beat Georgia playing a field position game. No. Like you're not going to be, if you're punting from the 40 yard line, if you're punting or kicking field goals when you need to be going for touchdowns, like that's not how you beat this team. And so I'm going to be interested to see how aggressive South Carolina is early. Do you spring an onside kick? Do you spring a fake punt? How much are you going forward on fourth down? How much are you trying to blitz Carson Beck and leaving your defensive backs on an island? So a lot of it's going to be really, really interesting. The fourth down thing's interesting. Like for South Carolina, if you get on the plus side of the 50 and it's anything less than five, are you going for it every time? Oh, 100%. You have to. You, I, you have to, I think. But, and that's just because, like, what's the point? If you're, like, do you really want to say, yeah, we lost to Georgia, but, man, like, we really played the field position battle there really well. We we pinned him inside the 20. Right, like. Five times. Right, like, you don't want. It's like, well, how how do those drives end up? Well, three of them went for touchdowns. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, because now you're just letting them take up more time. Sure. And potentially score kind of thing. So, and, and and that's a mark of what Georgia is is really good at. And look, they've had a wealth of running backs come through this program in the past ten years. You let them get a lead, they're going to drain the clock. Right, like and, that is what they are very good at. Right. <laughs> and Mike, like Mike Bobo, for as much as fans want to scream about it, does like to run the ball a little bit too. Like, yes. And they have a really good run game, and you don't want to find yourself if you're down two scores early it's going to be really hard to come back in that game because first of all the new clock rules i think kind of limit what you can do from a comeback standpoint multiple scores just because teams can milk the clock a little bit easier um but it's just you can't find yourself down if you're down 21 to 3 in the first quarter it's going to be really hard to come back from that against this team uh, speaking of running the ball one thing that south carolina is looking to improve on obviously It's going to come down to the offensive line being able to block better and protect Spencer Rattler, too. Uh, One conversation point coming away from Furman was Tree Babalade and Trevon Ball, and could they factor in playing this weekend against Georgia? Here is what Dow Loggins had to say about them yesterday. What excites me is the body types. Like, when you see them, they're put together. They're built the right way. They're freshmen. They haven't been trained. Um, They haven't been through a whole year of Coach Day. Um... So when you just look at them, we're we're recruiting the right type bodies here. The guys that are uh, big and thick and strong and um, and have length. Uh, but then you watch uh, Tro like Tro has football instinct, and he's got an edge to him. Even uh, you go back to the Furman game, and he's down the goal line, and um, he finishes with a guy in the end zone. Like he's putting his hands up, like hey. I didn't hold him. Let's see, and he just—he had enough awareness to do that. And Tree just is a guy that can set the edge. He's a big guy. When you play freshman, you're going to—you're going to live with some mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. They don't have the experiences that older guys have. But at some point, it becomes about talent. And you say, hey, these young, talented players are going to learn and get thrown in the fire. Um, and they need to—we're expecting them to play well when they do play and when their numbers called. And they did last week. They—they've shown that every day at practice. Um, there's been ups and there's been downs. Um, the kids are smart and they compete hard and, and they're hungry and like they, they want to play. They—they they didn't come in with a mindset to, hey, I'm going to red shirt. I'm going to do this. They came in with a mindset of like I want to impact this team right now. 
So uh, I've been super fired up about both those guys' development, how they're coming, how they played last week. They still got a long way to go. But um, when, you, when you're recruiting the right body types, like those two kids are, um, it's, it's something to be really excited about in the future. So obviously, oh, they're playing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they're playing. And, and, and Dow Loggins notably touching on their body types, and these guys are built exactly how you would want them to be built, those very uh, massive and imposing uh, physical specimens. There's got to be an excitement level when you're Dow Loggins as a new offensive coordinator Having two guys like this as true freshmen to, and look, he's not the offensive line coach, but to be able to kind of have these guys to mold into what you want them to be, hopefully over the next couple of seasons. And, you know, yes, if you're playing them against Georgia this weekend, it's going to be a, probably going to be a long afternoon for them. But, you know, baptism by fire sometimes works out in the best way. But, you know, you got to think big picture on on this kind of stuff too. And it's like, we get these guys in here, get them working in an S, you know, in SEC games early on, we can really make them in to some great offensive linemen in these next couple of years and have them be whatever Dow Loggins wants or needs them to be. Trevon Ball is 6'4", 337 pounds. By proxy, Georgia's guards, who, again, will be first-round picks, more than likely, and Xavier Trust and, and Tate Rattledge. I'm doing the math in my head. I'm looking at a spreadsheet right now. Of course you are. S- Xavier Trust is 6'7", 320, mm-hmm. and Tate Rattledge is 6'6", 310. Yes. Very comparable in size to those guys. Weighs a little bit more, is a little bit shorter, but powerful. Tree Babalade, 6'5", 338. Marius Mims, the Georgia right tackle, is 6'7", 340. Ernest Green is 6'4", 320. Mm-hmm. Comparable in size. So when we talk body types, yep, that's the body type. The way Dow Loggins talked, I'm not ready to say they're starting at Georgia, but I think they play at Georgia. Definitely. I think they get in the game at Georgia. And if if you come back, home and you got Mississippi State at night would it shock you if one if not both of those dudes was starting on the offensive line no not at all uh you got him out on the field this weekend against Furman you like what you saw played a lot of snaps I think you're probably going to and look the depth chart didn't really change this week but I think from a starting standpoint you're probably going to do what you did last weekend and then if things aren't going well you're probably not going to hesitate to plug these guys in and and see what difference it makes. Right, and and that's the, it's it's all about competitive advantage. Like how much, how much are you sacrificing to put those two young guys in there? When you talk about Dow Loggins, even said like you can't beat in game experience. So how much are you sacrificing from a production standpoint right now to get those guys to a point where they're competing against the best of the best? and getting them ready to play Mississippi State and the rest of this schedule, plus next year uh, when those guys are going to be, I mean, likely starters for you. How much are you, how much are you giving up right now to do that? I don't, I don't know if it's a lot, if we're going to be completely honest with you. No, I don't think so. And, and again, when you have the potential upside, what these guys have from a skill standpoint, that yes, this weekend might, might be a little rough because you are going up against one of the best defense fronts in the entire country. The learning experience you have coming away from that will help you tremendously going forward. I have some 
stats to tell you about on the lines of scrimmage after our break. Oh, boy. I know we do have to hit a break. I'm getting better with those. We will do that. Uh, Talk about those stats as well as jump into some of our picks against the spread for this weekend. As you're listening to In the Bonus, he is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game. Also heard on 100.3, The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5, The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. In the bonus, Colin Taylor, Tyler Head along with you. Looking ahead to the Saturday, Carolina and Georgia kickoff at 3.30. Feel us to right here on the game. Colin, as promised, you have some stats for us. Yes, it would help if I turn my microphone on. It would. So, Georgia's starting offensive line of Ernest Green, Xavier Truss, Cedric Van Pran, Tate Ratledge, and Marius Mims. I hope I'm saying all of those correct. Uh, I believe it's Van Pran Gardner, but close. Oh, bold and more material, guys. The average height of those guys, 77.6 okay. inches. Inches. So that would be 6'5", almost 6'6". Six, six. Right. Average weight of 320. Average star rating of those guys was 4.2. Sounds about right. Average industry rating in the on three industry rankings, 77.6. Okay. There's only one player that was ranked outside of the top 100 starting on their line and an Xavier Truss. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, that is correct. If South Carolina goes with its starting line from last week, which was Garjulo and more guard, mm-hmm. Fugar and Wanamaker at tackle, and then mm-hmm. Vershawn Lee at center. Yep. That is an average height of 6'5", an average weight of 316.2 pounds, an average star rating of 2, and then the industry rating is a little... It's hard to come by because Garjulo and Fugar were not ranked coming out of high school. Right. But there are... Uh, Ja'Kai Moore was a blue chipper coming out of school, believe. Um, now, if you go with the starting lineup, that includes Tree Babalade and Tro Ball. Average height, 6'5", about the same. Average weight goes up to 327.8 pounds. That is seven pounds on average heavier than Georgia's offensive line. Okay. Average star rating of 2.8. Okay. Average industry ranking, again, a little bit skewed. It's a little bit lower, but you add two almost blue chippers. Ball was a, a fringe blue chipper. Was in the on-three rankings, just not in the industry. And then Babalade is a blue chipper. You get significantly more talented. Right. I think. Just on a star, just on an industry ranking perspective. Does that mean you get better? I don't know. Because there's experience with some of those other guys. But the point I'm trying to make is... You get closer to a line of scrimmage that can compete with Georgia. Now, Georgia's defensive line, average star rating of 4.3, and average industry ranking of 253.25. They're really good up front. Um, But what I'm saying is you get more talented up front when you put those two freshmen in from a star ranking, from an industry ranking perspective. It might not be the worst thing in the world to just, if maybe not start them, but get get them experience. Get them 20 to 25 snaps in that environment because sure. I think that's going to help them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, again, you got to think about things going forward. And while they may not help you win the game this weekend, having that experience and having them plugged in, and I talk about, I've talked about this a lot, just getting some cohesion on the offensive line. Yeah, find your through, be- that's your best five. Through two weeks, you've rotated so many guys in and tried so many different combinations. You just need to, at some point, settle on, okay, these are our starting five, and these are the guys that are going to play all 
70 snaps of the Mississippi State game, right. the Tennessee game, whatever it is going forward, so you can just start getting some of that chemistry of these guys working together consistently. Like That's what you need to figure out sooner rather than later. I agree. And we've talked about it before, but Texas did that last year mm-hmm. with just throwing the freshman out there. See what you got. At worst, you see what you have. Yeah. And two of the five starting linemen that went to Tuscaloosa and helped win that ball game were freshmen that started last year on your offensive line. And I know you hate to hear it, but a line, it it might be one of those, you're playing the long game. Yeah. Well, and look, the the tackle spots have been the biggest detriment to this line so far. Right. So if you theoretically moved Ja'Kai Moore out to right tackle, put Baugh in at right guard, and then put Babalade in at left tackle, is it, would it be that much worse than what you're already doing? Right. Again, that's one of those ones where you have to you have to weigh the the here and now what you're getting versus how much it might pay dividends. Because you look at it in two years, you could have a just fast forward to next year. An offensive line that includes Tree Babalade, Marquis Anderson, Trevon Ball, Cam Pringle, and Josiah Thompson. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. And in two years, that's sophomore Josiah Thompson, mm-hmm. Cam Pringle, and then in year three in the program, Mark Anderson, Trevon Ball, Tree Babalade. Yes. That the future of the position is good. It's just a matter of getting through this year and, and being able to piece things together. Right. So, yeah, we'll see what happens on Saturday. And, again, I feel like when you think about things going forward, it's worth trying at least. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's anything bad that can come. There are bad things that can come, but I don't think that – I don't think it's a bad thing to go ahead and just try, if if that makes sense. Just go out there and see what you got with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, transitioning now, uh, another weekend of college football ahead of us. We'll actually get started tonight. So if you're not interested in watching the Vikings and the Eagles, or if you just don't have Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. uh, you can check out some college football action. Bethune-Cookman in Miami, 730 on the ACC Network. This one's interesting to me. Navy and Memphis. Now, this is an Ooh. AAC conference game. Always tricky when you're playing those service academies. That one at 7.30 on ESPN. Yeah, that's... um. I don't know if Navy's good, though. Like, that's the problem. Yeah, they didn't look great against Notre Dame. But, but again, running that option is all can always be an equalizer. Yes. However, I'm just not sold on... I'm not sold on Navy being able to do Navy things. Right. If that makes sense. Well, hey, if, if you like watching the triple option... You're in for a treat the next two days because you got Navy tonight, tomorrow Army, Army going on the road to UTSA, yeah, and then Air Force hosting Utah State tomorrow night. Gear me up! So, I love a good triple option. I love a good triple option. You're going to get plenty of it over the next what 36 hours? Yeah, but something like that. Heck yeah! So with Can't that, wait. we'll look ahead to this weekend and go ahead and make some of our picks against the spread. I, I'm leaning three to nothing. I've gotten one pick each weekend. I'm yes, and that I have correctly. gotten one pick. I'm, well, I've gotten one right. You've gotten one right. Okay, so you're three, to, three one. to one. Okay, so yeah, not great, but <laughs> it's still competitive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is your first game for this weekend? Give me Kansas State minus one and a half over Missouri. Ooh. In St. Louis, only one and a half. Yeah. For the defending Big Twelve champions over Missouri. Yes. I don't know what Vegas knows, but I think Kansas State's pretty daggum good. So give me that one. It sounds like easy money. Yes. 
give me that. I don't know what Vegas knows, but that one sounds like it's going to be really, really good. Uh, similarly, Tennessee heading down to the swamp this weekend. Only a six and a half point favorite. Now, is Tennessee as high octane as they were a season ago? I don't think no, so. I agree and with you. We haven't seen them play great competition to know that just yet. But they can definitely beat Florida by more than six by more than seven points. Mm, I don't know if I'm gonna agree with you on that one. You sure? You know, you think Florida can hang in there? I think Florida can hang. They've had a little bit of time to get it right, and I think they're gonna ball control the you know what out of this. Okay. And run the ball. And when was the last time Tennessee won in the swamp? Ooh. Is another thing. I think Peyton Manning was the the that's a quarterback good, the last time. That's a good question. I need to look that up. Right. So you're just going down there. It's just a hard place to play. It's kind of like Kentucky beating Florida. Like you just they don't really win in the swamp very often. Um so while I'll let you look that up and I will give my All right. second. I am going Alabama minus 31 and a half over South Florida. Is this a thinking with my head pick? No. Okay. Is this a thinking with my heart pick? Absolutely. You have an angry Nick Saban <laughs> against a rebuilding program in an NFL stadium with the chance to impress some recruits. Like, I think Nick Saban and Tommy Reese are going to try to run that score up and play a get-right game. Okay. Because they have Ole Miss next week. That's fair. Um, quickly, uh, last time Tennessee won the Swamp, 2003, so 20 years ago. Yeah, so it's been a while. Um, my second game. Western Michigan, 28-and-a-half-point dogs at Iowa. Ooh, that's a big... That means Iowa would have to score how many points? Iowa has not scored more than 20... Has only scored more than 28 points four times in the past two seasons. Yeah, no. Yeah, good pick. I don't think that's going to happen. Good so pick. give me Western Michigan for the points there. Good pick. Uh, last one. Troy, one-and-a-half-point favorite over James Madison. I'm taking Troy there. Okay. Troy's very good. And they had a good defense, and I think that that game being at home makes it really, really fun. It's the best. It's the best game at night on Saturday. Watch that game. I know you're gonna be excited about this one, the Rio Grande rivalry. Ooh, New Mexico and New Mexico State. Oh, <laughs> the, that's that's sickos committee game right there. The Aggies, one and a half point dogs, at home against New Mexico. Ooh. Now, or on the road, excuse me, at New Mexico. Okay. Now, the home team has won the last three games of this. However, New Mexico State won a season ago. Ooh. New Mexico's won seven out of the last ten. Revenge game. Give me the fight in Jerry Kills. Okay. Aggies. There you go. That's not a bad pick. I think Jerry Kills is a good coach. I just don't know if the, the, those two programs, that is like... No, they're bottom of the barrel, for yeah, sure. You want to talk like... Now, they're not dead last in the FPI anymore. Yeah. That that's something. Fair points. Who's last in the FPI now? Is it UMass? Uh, I think so. I looked at yeah. it yesterday. I, I just they they're both pretty low, but they're not at the bottom. So Let's see. yeah, positives. Small victories in this life is you take you take what you can get when you when you've been there for that long. That's right. You take what you can get. Um, I'm really glad you brought up the Alabama USF game. I actually have a piece of trivia for you Ooh. coming up in regards to this game. Yes, I trivia will. With me. Let you know what that is. Coming up, you're listening to In the Bonus. He is Colin Taylor. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game.
in the bonus with Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central and Tyler Head. Powered by Twin Peaks and Candy Foundation Specialists on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. In the bonus, Colin Taylor, Tyler Head. Apparently, we really like Werewolves of London this morning. It's the second time we've heard it. Did you forget what show we were on for a second? Yeah, it's true. Did I tell you that Kendall uh, did not know that this song existed? She thought she it, thought was, it was, was all summer long. Rock, yeah, did she thought it was just a Kid Rock song? Yeah, I explained to her. I'm like, no, that's a mashup of Sweet Home Sweet Alabama, Alabama and, and Werewolves, Werewolves of, of London. London. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, Kendall, well, now you do. Kendall is so brilliant in so many ways, and then there are things that she tells me, and I have to like refrain from being mean because she doesn't know better sometimes. That's okay. And it's okay. It's okay sometimes. So I, I was I happy, love her to death. I was happy I could, you know, you did your her you did your music. duty. That's right. You you help you helped the you left the younger generation better than you found it. These dang kids today, they oh. don't know about the good music. You don't realize how how quickly you can become these young kids. Until like, it truly happens to you, and it it, it happens quick. Yeah, it happens well, quick. I find myself <laughs> tempted when I see like some like a high schooler wearing like the t shirt of a band that I like. How many songs like, do you? How know many songs do you know? Yeah. Do you uh, know their this album? Yeah, I don't I do it, but I think about it. Yeah, uh, that's. Yeah, Michaela's done that before. She's like, this generation. And I'm like, don't, don't do that. Don't do don't it. Do that. Don't, don't be do that. angry man yelling Mm-mm. at Cloud. I was like, no, 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 no. You're better than that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, yeah, that's where we are. What, what, what trivia do you have? Yeah. You, so, one of your picks for this week is Alabama going on the road yes. to South Florida. South yes. Florida is in the American Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. which is a group of five conferences. Yep. Do you know the last time Alabama went on the road to a non-Power 5 opponent? This is like the Florida, when was the last time Florida went on the road to play a, we- a team out west of the Mississippi for a road game? Mm. Has it happened under Saban? No. I don't think it did. Pre-Saban. I'm going to say 1986. Not that far back. Ooh. Okay, 90, uh, 93. No, getting close. We're getting warmer. 98. No. Is it in the 90s? No. 2001. No. Two. No. Three. There you go. Yeah. We're going to get there. Um, they went on the road to Hawaii. Oh, that's so smart. Funny enough. So is that this, a Colt Brennan Hawaii team? No, it was not. This was 2003. So Colt Brennan's last year was 07. So that would have been the year before Colt Brennan. I guess there. so, which is kind of crazy to think about. Time's a flat circle. Yeah. Um, but funny enough, they actually opened up the 03 season playing South Florida. Um, mm-hmm. But they ended the 03 season. So the Iron Bowl was not the final game of 03 for Alabama, they went on the road to Hawaii mm-hmm. November the 29th. Here's the thing. Alabama was in the middle of a two-year bowl ban. They mm-hmm. added this game, a 13th game to the season, to basically supplement for the bowl game they weren't going to get to go to. I respect that. So they're like, hey, let's make let's a trip to Hawaii, which they lost, by the way, 37 or 29. I don't care. Players got 40 days in Hawaii. That's players true. Players probably got a couple of days in Hawaii. That, I mean, I, met, I guess they would have spent uh, Thanksgiving in Hawaii because it was... The weekend Final after week Thanksgiving. Season, yeah. uh, Colt Brennan, Juco Bandit. That's right. 
Yeah, Saddleback College in California before going to Hawaii. Uh, Colt Brennan, uh, who did not have a good time against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. He's still one of my all-time favorites. Rest in it, peace. Absolutely. Um, awesome college quarterback. So, and I remember that game very well, obviously. Hawaii was getting a lot of hype. They just had this unbelievably high-octane offense out there in the whack. Um, he got hit a lot that night. Yep. Um, one, and from the people I know close to the Georgia program, like, after the game, when they, like, met at midfield, Matt Stafford went over to him and was like, hey, dude, are you, are like, you okay? Because okay? he was just, like, rattled. Like, well, like, that was a good, that was a good, not great Georgia team. Am I thinking uh, of that correctly? Uh, 07, they lost to Carolina and they lost to Tennessee. They were yeah. good. They came, they got better as the season went along because they lost to South Carolina and I want to say week two. That seems and right. That, that was 07. 07. That was a classic, like, Georgia had the better team, better roster, but somehow Spurrier it beat happened, them. Trust me. Seen it happened a lot. Of, seen plenty of South Carolina games like that with Georgia. Yeah, yes. so that Georgia team, by the end of the season, was very, very good. They were wearing black jerseys in the Sugar Bowl. Like, it was inevitable. But, yeah, they uh, they took it to my uh, Hawaii that night. Yeah. June Jones, the GOAT, by the way. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome that, coach. I believe is I think that's the only bowl game Hawaii's been in that was not the Hawaii Bowl. Let's see. I think they've only ever played in bowls in Hawaii other than that. <laughs> it is kind of they went to the Holiday Bowl in nineteen ninety two. Okay. But I don't know where that was holiday that Timmy, bowl was. Oh, that when Timmy Chang was. That the might have been a Timmy Chang game. Shout out to Timmy Chang. Back in Hawaii. I think he's going to do a good job, though. That program was just in a crater when he got there. Yeah, it's going to take a lot to rebuild that thing. I enjoyed watching them a little bit in week number one against Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, here's their bowl list. Aloha Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Oahu Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, New Mexico Bowl. Wow. All right. There you go. Going to the mainland for recently. Timmy Chang... I think is going to be good. Do you know where their college or their call-in show is? I found this out looking up Timmy Chang's Twitter the other week. No, I do not. I want you to take a, the wildest guess you can at a chain restaurant, and I want uh, you to take a wild guess as to where it is. It is a chain shit. restaurant you have probably never been to after 2008 in your entire life. Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know, like Ruby Tuesday? That Yes. Is it, it Ruby It Tuesday? is Ruby Tuesdays. All right. Fantastic work. It is at a Ruby Tuesdays in Honolulu, wow. Hawaii. That is I am so, so proud random. of you. I am so proud of you. Uh, Timmy <laughs> Chang was 2000. They went from Timmy Chang to Colt Brennan, literally back to back. Wow. What? Why did I think Timmy Chang was in the 90s? No, Timmy Chang is only 41. He looks older. Yeah. Well, coaching in Hawaii will do that to you when you're trying to resurrect that program. I guess so. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for today's edition of uh, In the Bonus. Coming up next, a little bit of a schedule change. We're going to do the Garner Trust or Gamecock Central Hour first, Garner Trust Hour second. We have Hayden Brown coming in at 11 here on the game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.